0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Two Brain Radio with Sean Woodland. On today's episode, I talk with six-time CrossFit Games athlete, Michelle LaTondra. What's the difference between a good athlete and a great one, an amazing coach? Well, the same goes for great business owners. If you're ready to level up your business, book a free call with a certified Two Brain mentor at TwoBrainBusiness.com. Michelle LaTondra made six individual appearances at the CrossFit Games before retiring after the 2016 season. Her best career finish was fourth in 2014, and since retiring from competition, she has made the transition to coaching. We talk about her memorable battles with Camille LeBlanc-Bazinet at the old Canada East Regional, the mental toll of competing at a high level, and how she became Pat Vellner's coach. Thanks for listening, everyone. Michelle, thanks so much for joining me today. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How are you, Sean? I'm
0: doing great. So how is what's going on right now with the coronavirus affected you?
1: Um, Well, it has affected me in many, many ways. I mean, like I have a different role with a bunch of different people. Um, Professionally, I have two businesses, one that is online and one that is a gym. So one of my businesses was hit hard. Um, Obviously, the gym is It's a stressful situation but we're managing and then the second business online it's still stressful because i cater to mostly gyms and athletes who have obviously lost control over their their business in a certain way in a certain way and then um personally i mean like i'm pretty adaptable like staying at home working from home the first couple of weeks was pretty hard but then i just i have an office here that i i I didn't usually i didn't really like so much but gives me peace of mind to work without getting bothered because my boyfriend is part of the people that he still has a job but he's a sales rep so Mm -hmm. he can't really go anywhere right now so he's kind of working but not really and he's very bored (laughs) (laughs) so that's kind of been the most annoying part of my day is like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) and then and then with my family it's been kind of tough because i haven't been able to see my sister who just gave birth mm-hmm. to her second baby um i haven't been able to see my other sister who has i have two nephews so i haven't been able to see my my niece and nephews i haven't been able to see my mother you know i haven't seen them in so long because before all of this happened i was in australia for a month mm-hmm. so i kind of i miss them you know but all in all, I think uh, today's a good day. So it's yeah. a good thing that we're talking today. I actually feel pretty good
0: today. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Every day is a little different. Yeah. What sports or activities did you play when you were growing up?
1: Um, I played, so when I was very young, uh, I lived in a community that had a pool um, that was right in front of my house, literally like on the other side of my house. So when I was really young, I started swimming um and so every single activity you can think of in the water i did so i did synchronized swimming i did competitive like swimming um i did water polo and i did diving diving didn't last very long cuz that's where i found out that i have a fear of heights <laughs> <laughs> so i did that um and then in school obviously i played a little bit of soccer i played a little bit of of land sports but it wasn't my thing but then i got into competitive swimming when i was about 7 um and then after competitive swimming for 3 years i went into um uh, water polo, and that was like my main sport. Water polo was my main sport, and then, then yeah, and then that's it. And then I guess CrossFit was in my adult life. Yeah. So, you know,
0: when did you decide that water polo was going to kind of be the thing that you focused on?
1: Well, I so one of my dreams was always to be an Olympic athlete. I've always wanted to go to the Olympics. I felt that being that kind of person, that high high achieving person was something that I strive for. And I So swimming was essentially my first kind of exposure to that. I was very young. Um, but then I got bored swimming, we call it like chasing walls. It's just really boring for me, like, plus, I'm five foot one, I'm not I, I'm not built to be a swimmer. And then I, I found I found water polo to be an extension of something that I was already good at swimming. And then Uh, it was just a little bit more engaging. And it was a team sports, there was a lot more moving pieces. So I just I fell in love with it. I fell in love with practicing, I fell in love with um, ex trying to be the best at at water polo. And so I knew that 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 like, I don't know, I just kind of it, like I knew I wanted to be an Olympic water polo player. I did everything I could to do it. I did all the qualifications and everything. And I always felt kind of short. But I knew after maybe one or two years that I wanted to dedicate a lot of energy towards that because there was something that was satisfying in there that I couldn't put my finger on, but I had to do it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I would go to the guys' practice. Like, when I wasn't practicing, I would go to the guys' practice because I felt like that's where I needed to be. I would practice with the boys. I would go an hour before my own practice just to practice my shots against a wall. Like, I would do everything all very naturally. So, it was essentially, it was just a natural kind of commitment
0: Mm-hmm. you know? What do you think it was about the sport that you love so much?
1: Um, I don't think it was the sport in itself. I think it was, it was just because it just turned out that I was developed in aquatic sports when I was really young. So I got very comfortable in the water, but it was about, I, there was something way bigger than just water polo because I think that had I been exposed to track younger, I would have been the same. There was something about excelling at things that I just wanted to do. And what I loved about water polo was just the physique that the it was a difficult sport. Like people I would tell people that I did water polo and they're like, whoa. So there was something about that um a, about that difficulty that I just I was like, I love the challenge. I just absolutely love the challenge. And I love that it was a sport that was out of the out of the ordinary. Like mm-hmm. in Montreal, I come from the West Island, which is english-speaking and aquatic sports are very big there um in fact um in montreal one of the biggest um clubs in the country was ddo and that's the sport i that's the club i played for so in in my specific area playing water polo was was popular so i just felt like like uh, it was the the popular sport plus it was the the difficult sport and uh, there was something cool about going to the pool in the middle of winter too
0: how you know? then, how then did you find CrossFit? How? Yes.
1: How did I find it? Yeah. um, So, so I found CrossFit um, in 2009 because, uh, long story, I went through a breakup that, that in university, um, I was studying design and then. I, we, I went through this breakup and then I started going to the gym again because it was that part of my life that was missing. I had quit water polo in like before getting into university. So I hadn't been working out. I hadn't been doing any sports. That part of my life was gone when I, when I decided to dedicate my time to school. And then after the breakup, I just decided to, to, to go back to the gym and, and to work out and, um, just naturally just the same way I was naturally getting more and more involved in water polo like at the gym I was getting more and more involved with my training and my workouts and I was like naturally just kind of being competitive without having an actual coach I would just say like well I did bicep curls at this weight last week I'm going to go heavier this week and there was this natural kind of desire to just always do more and then Um, At the end of my schooling, I was like not really ready to jump into a career in design. So I kind of just decided to get a part-time job in a gym. And uh, I just applied to a whole bunch of gyms. And CrossFit Montreal is the gym that called me back for a secretary position. And then I took it. And then they told me that you have to do CrossFit to work in a CrossFit gym. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And it didn't take very long for me to fall in love with it. And a month after I started doing it, I competed in my first competition. So that's, that's how I found CrossFit completely by, by chance.
0: (laughs) When did you know I'm actually really good at this?
1: Um, I think it was, uh, like my first competition, which was one month after I started to do it. I did a scaled competition but then people were very surprised about my level of skill. Uh, I was a water polo player, so I had really good shoulders. And I, they were very flexible on top of that. So I did a big dogs competition that one of their requirements was 15 overhead squats at a specific weight. So you would be considered a big dog at a specific weight. I don't know if you remember this, but this is like way back when. Mm-hmm. Uh, OPT had said, like, yeah. if, you know, yep. so I did my first ever overhead squat in that competition. I remember asking my coach at the time, who was Rock Proto, who was like my first ever CrossFit coach, like, what's an overhead squat? <laughs> 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 he showed me, and I'm like, oh, okay. And the heaviest I went in that overhead squat for my first ever time was 85 pounds, which at the time mm-hmm. was huge. So when people said like holy shit and I was like <laughs> okay maybe I'm good at this and then I did a couple of competitions and some people told me that they had never seen anyone excel so quickly so I figured okay well I I didn't know this but maybe I'm good at it so then I kind of just dove, dove into competition kind of head first and I figured that um, I'd have a chance to go to the games and I and I you know I just said you know hard work. I'll just do it. And that's how I kind of knew yeah. deep down, you know?
0: So you go to regionals for the first time in 2012. What were you? No, ex-
1: 2011. Was it
0: 2011? Okay. 20, 20- yeah. that's right. That's okay. Um, so yeah. what were you expecting then when you showed up in 2011 Nothing. for the first time?
1: Uh, honestly, 2011 was just very exciting. It was, there was a lot of people talking about me in my like direct circle, but obviously back then, 2011, it the, it was, In our region, uh, Canada East at the time, there were like a couple of big names. And obviously the biggest name was Camille because she had gone to the games in 2010. And then there was a girl called Alexandra Bergeron uh, who had gone to the games in 2009. And people were expecting her to kind of make it. And then um, she kind of, there was a rule in 2011 when we did a max thruster that you weren't allowed to move your feet. And in that specific event, she moved her feet, got a DNF. um, And then because of that, I qualified and it was a complete surprise. I wasn't expecting anything. I was expecting to be top five um, and I was expecting to do well and have a better idea of where to go in the future. But to my surprise, I qualified.
0: You go to the games and you finish 25th overall that year yes. so what did you learn then about your fitness after that experience
1: I learned that I was overweight <laughs> um I learned that I because in 2011 a couple of things happened and I, I like we I didn't have a, gra- a, a firm uh, grasp on my nutrition um, I was kind of alone in that and I was I'm a nervous eater so there was a lot of stress in that mm-hmm. year and then I had a new job as um I had a new job. I was like an insurance broker and anyway, I had no I had no grasp on my nutrition and I and I went to the games and I was not fit like physically. Like I had certain fitness, but physically I wasn't fit and I saw that I was I was naturally I had hit a potential but that I would have to make this a like I would have to take executive decisions so to speak to kind of move my way forward to be where the other girls were. So I looked at all the other girls this is this is the beginning of a a very serious lesson I learned but I saw a lot of girls with eight packs and six packs and super lean and I was like I am nowhere near that and I have to do that so um I realized that I had to I had to address that if I wanted to be like them that took me down a road that I would not recommend to people but at the same time it was a decision that I needed to make but I should have uh, sought out professional advice instead of talking to the person I spoke to. And anyway, that's another story, but, um, I just realized that I just needed to get fitter. Like I was strong and I was, I had skill, but I, I wasn't, I couldn't run, I couldn't row. I couldn't do things odd. Like I was very much a traditional CrossFit athlete, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So without so, naming names here, but you mentioned that you hadn't talked to the person you talked to. So why wouldn't you recommend the road that you took to other people? Um,
1: Because the decisions I make to lose weight were not for, they were purely for weight and they weren't for sustaining performance and weight loss. There's ways to go about nutrition that if you, if you talk to a professional um, that know what they're doing and, and you would know that there are certain phases in your nutrition that you'll go through and that you'll need to adjust training based on those phases and things like that. And I didn't do that. And I kind of trusted someone that just said, well, you don't need to eat that much. People don't actually need to eat that much. You can get away with very little eating. And I did it and I lost all the weight. Like I lost the weight I needed to lose and I looked great the next year. And everyone was talking about how great I looked, but I was losing my hair. Um, I got the, the impacts of that weight loss were felt not that year, but it, they were felt for many years Um, lucky for me i didn't have a huge impact in my menstrual cycle i didn't have a huge impact on my overall health but there were a lot of things that that i i went through that i shouldn't have you know i i was short-tempered i was i was i'm very lucky i didn't get more injured than i did Um, there was a lot of things that i i i I did based on my mood and and just because i was underfed Um, that I shouldn't have had to gone through and that I shouldn't have had to put my entourage through as well. So, you know, word to people, like if you have to lose weight, do it with a professional, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because you know, like when I was losing my hair, I was like, Oh, whatever it's normal. But it was, it, after now I realize, like, Oh shit, I could have, I could, I dodged a bullet. I could have been, it could have been much mm-hmm. worse. You know, yeah. I was eating, I was eating two eggs in the morning with a cup of cooked spinach. I would have, like not even a hundred grams of chicken with lettuce, and then in, at dinner it was meat and and green vegetables. I would eat three times a day, and then I would have protein only as a supplement, and that's it. So wow. calorie wise, I was eating less than I am now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's dangerous.
0: Yeah, you know. Sure, uh, you had a, a stretch there at regionals. I think it was like a three year stretch where you you never finished lower than second. And you mentioned me and yeah. the two of you had these great battles uh, at those competitions. Yeah. What was it like going head to head with her every year?
1: Um, at first it was frustrating because when you're a young athlete, you, f- you're frustrated with challenge. You know, you want it, you, you have this idea of winning. Um, you don't like, you want it to be hard, but when it actually is hard, you kind of like, you don't know how to deal with all these emotions and everything like that. And as a younger athlete, you take things personally, like you take what, what your competitors are doing, especially, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, like women are very catty in certain ways. And I, I was 100% guilty of that at the beginning. And I, and I was very frustrated with the situation um, for many reasons. I was frustrated with her. I was frustrated with, with how everyone was comparing me to her. And I was frustrated how it was always like, um, it was, it was like the spotlight was always on her and I, and it was just, it was constant kind of like, just every time my name was her, heard it was always her it was her name and i don't know if she felt the same way but i mean camille is an excellent athlete and and um it was difficult to compete against her but then when you kind of age you kind of realize like the goal the goal is to go the games you know like and any kind of challenge you go through at the end of all um it's a it's it's a it's an addition to your tool belt so at the beginning, it was always kind of frustrating. There was always this this jealousy that like, man, this girl, she's so good. And everyone is going to like when she beat me, it just it it, it it was just kind of annoying that I always had to get beat by her, you know, <laughs> Um, but but I appreciated that further on. Like as, later on in our careers, we worked out together. We enjoyed each other's because um, we had very similar strength and very similar weaknesses. So we can really challenge each other. Um when we trained together and when we competed against each other. And I really grew fond of that competition as the year progressed. And I felt it when she moved away, I kind of was like, I was kind of like, oh man, it's fun because I got, I got to compete against new people, Mm -hmm. but it it was still kind of like, um, damn, like we could speak French to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Like we knew each other. I knew, I knew like when you competed against someone that you know so well you know when to try and when to kind of let it go and you can strategize a little bit better you know so it was good it was it was good fun and i learned a lot from that kind of from from that um dual, duality you know mm-hmm. i learned a lot from
0: that anytime you have someone who's a rival and you sort of view uh kind of i don't want to say side eye, but you're like you know i'm going to get her when you become yeah. friends, there's that moment where you decide to say, I'm going to put the rivalry aside and try to become friends. What was that moment for the two of you?
1: Um, I can't really remember. I can't really remember. I, I, I to be honest, I remember at one point she said that she was coming back to Montreal. Cause I think she was in the U S and she asked me if I wanted to come train. I don't, I don't know. I think, um, like on my end, I was like, I'm kind of more independent usually in, in, there was one point where I remember she reached out to me and she asked me to come work out with her. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And sure, why not? Like I, like, I won't say no to that. And then um, after that, we just became closer. And when that is exactly, I, I don't really remember. I, I, I would bet money on it was when she won the games in 2014. And there was a certain level of confidence that she had gained from that. And we were both kind of really top in two thousand fourteen, and I think that we both felt like there was some kind of—I uh, don't know what the word is in French, in in English—but there was um, there was something that connected us that we had more in common than mm-hmm. we had um, not. So it was better to team up than than to work against each other. And also the fact that she had moved away, I think. Kind of helped because there is not that constant pressure of Mm -hmm. of of being with each other all the time so it was just a little bit of a tune in and like yeah i'll go for a challenge and then okay and then we can get away from it and move on i think that uh, being a female athlete top level female athlete is very lonely and um at one point you start to recognize that when you gain maturity that it's like that kind of loneliness isn't worth like there's something to gain when when you feel like you're with someone in in that challenge of winning the game. So I think um, I don't know, I just I can't pinpoint one thing, but I would I would bet money on 2014 being like a turning point.
0: Yeah. Hi, guys, while we give Michelle Latondra a quick break, let's take a pop quiz, which is better for business, getting new clients or retaining old ones. Both are good, but the longer clients stay, the less you have to spend acquiring new ones and the more money you'll make. In fact, the average gym owner can add $45,000 a year in revenue just by keeping each client a few months longer. Want to learn how? You can with 2Brain's free guides to affinity marketing and retention. They'll tell you exactly what to do step-by-step with actionable advice. Get them both plus 13 other guides for free at twobrainbusiness.com slash free-tools. dash And now, more with Michelle LaTondra. Well, speaking of 2014, you finished fourth overall at the Games, your best career yeah. finish. What went right for you that year? Yeah.
1: I think there's a lot of things that went right. Um, I had a coaching change um, that was really important. I mean, I went from, um, I had a, a previous coach, but then I started working with Ben, I think Ben's approach was on, in a very practical sense, his Ben's approach was way more about fitness, less about strength. Whereas my previous coach was very much about strength. Um, And to be honest, like a lot of people focus on gaining strength, but in like, games athletes benefit a lot from fitness. So, so changing that approach to a fitness base, I started running more than I ever had in my life. Um, I, I was doing workouts that had that had never done like high rep workouts, like light workouts, like just things that I had never really done. And that stimulated me in a different way. And obviously Ben's approach mentally was something that was a breath of fresh air, you know? And I think that, and along with the fact that I kind of had gained three years of experience and stopped expecting so much of myself. Um, And then, uh, and I'm one of those athletes that when things go well, like i do better you know like um i'm not the best at dealing with adversity as well now i am better but back then i was just not really good at dealing with adversity and like i just i had very little expectations i had been crushed like 2000 2011 you know oh wow 25th that's okay that's good and then 2012 crushed me because i was expecting way more I had been after regionals that year. I was like one of the top ranked athletes to go into the CrossFit games. And then when I finished 24th in 2012, that was a huge blow. Like, like that was huge. And then 2013, I actually did a lot better than I expected. So I was on this like upward phase and I knew that I was going to change coach. So it was just a question of momentum. I had more momentum going into 2014 than I had in, in 13 and, and 12. But, uh, it's a combination of like different stimulus, uh, a better nutritional approach. Um, uh, just being overall, like expecting a little bit less of myself and just, just, just all of that, you know, like,
0: you're not the first athlete just... to tell me that when expectations seem to go down, performance seems to go up. Why is that the case?
1: I think it depends a lot on your personality. I think there's a lot of that that depends on your personality. And what I've recognized for myself is that my expectations, and I was actually talking with someone about this yesterday, but like we all have very high expectations of ourselves. I think the word expectations isn't the right one. Um, and. And the, um, I was actually talking to Zach Tielander yesterday or before yesterday about this, and he said, "If your ex keep your your expectations low, but your standards high, and I think that's the right way to see it." Um, my standards were are, are always very high in everything that I do, and the expectations are also high. But I think, I think, you start to realize that um, it's okay to have high expectations of yourself, but it's not okay to be to 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 take things personally, like, mm-hmm. like we can't, we can't take our results personally. And I think that when you, when you want the best for yourself, but you expect things to go either bad or good, like you adapt easier, you know, mm-hmm. like it's easier to adapt, like in, as the more you go to the CrossFit games, the more you realize that things can go really, really well. And they could also go really, really poorly in this in the, in the span of a second. You know, like, look at the 2015 CrossFit Games. Like, I was in fourth place on Friday. And I was like, that's it. This is my year. I'm going to be on the podium. And then the heat thing happened after Murph. And even if I finished the the, the day really strong, like, I had a really good finish all Friday. Even after Murph, like, uh, I we did Murph. And then after Murph, I can't remember what we did. But every single event after Murph, I did really well in. So I finished the day Friday in fourth place. But then I had the effects of that heat stroke and then I didn't sleep at all during the weekend. I couldn't eat. I was basically sick. And then in the span of, of just like that and all of that, it was gone. Like I was on a good, good um, trajectory. And then the next day, Saturday we had that race where we had to jump over these hurdles and I couldn't jump. I just couldn't jump. I hit every single hurdle in practice. I fell on my face every single time. And it was just like, well, like, I had never felt fitter in my entire life. I did super well on Thursday and Friday. I was expecting, and then it just it just fell apart. So the more you experience that, the more you realize that, that you do everything you can to set yourself up for success, but the games is not a representation of who you are. It is simply a picture of the year. It is, is it, it, sorry, that's not the right way to say it, but it's simply a picture of four days. Mm-hmm. Even though you prepare all year for this, it is the picture of these four days of competition. Um, there's, so it, 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 you can't take that personally um, because there could be like, for example, you could be the fittest you've ever been and then you break an ankle like, mm-hmm. like, and then you finish 25th. Is that really a representation of your fitness? No, like, no, it's not. It's a representation of your 2020 CrossFit Games. You broke your ankle and you finished 25th. So I think that's really important for people to understand that if you are if you are kind with with um, with uh, what happens to you during competition it's like you, you'll move over those obstacles yeah. really quickly
0: obviously being right. a competitor it takes a physical toll on you but what kind of mental toll does competing at the games level take on you
1: I think it depends who you ask mm-hmm. I think mentally for me it was one of the best experiences of my life Um, I think that um, you begin to see challenge in a different way. And then if you're good at taking time and looking at things in perspective, you can transfer that to everything in your life. It doesn't mean that you're going to react to everything perfectly after. Like I'm still like, there's a lot. Like I, I personally think that having businesses has taken a, stronger, like a a more intense mental toll than being an Mm -hmm. athlete. I was talking to my boyfriend about this just two days ago with this coronavirus situation, because I was like, fuck, when you're an athlete, you have 100% control over everything aside from the outcome of the competition, but you can control how you eat. You can control how you train. you 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 feel like you have so much control because everything relies on you. But then when you own a business, it's like there are so many things that you don't control and it's like, that's super stressful so but i have to say that that it's given me a lot of of perspective on life and it's it's also provided me with very since very very profound lessons about life like i always feel like being an athlete is like is like a looking under a microscope of of what a process is over a lifespan it's like if people have the opportunity to be a professional athlete it's like the process, they are living the process of life in a very intense way. And it's like if you have the opportunity to go through that, then it just feels like certain obstacles in your life feel uh, a little bit more easily addressed, much like and, and I don't think it's anywhere close to being a parent. But like from from speaking to my sister, you know, she always says, like, having kids makes you realize what's really important. And you realize that there's a lot of things that are irrelevant. Um, I think being an athlete, um, it's it's funny because it it when you're when you are the athlete, it's it, everything feels super super important. And then when you're once you're out of being an athlete, you're like, man, that was so not important. <laughs> um, but if but that's what's cool is that when you live through being an athlete, when you feel everything is so important, and then you get out of that lifestyle and you realize how. How unimportant that stuff actually was. That's where the lesson is learned. I feel so being an athlete and being in that like that situation, everything will feel very big. And then once you're out of that, you're like, oh, whoa! Everything becomes, everything falls into place, and you're like, oh man, in the grand scheme of things, that wasn't a big deal, and 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 stuff like that. Um, so it's it's a very interesting life lesson. Um, but when you're in it, I don't think you can see it like that.
0: Yeah, You yeah. almost retired after 2015, but you came back for another <laughs> year. Why did you make the choice to come back for one more go?
1: Um, I almost retired. And so in 2015, after the games, I remember having a conversation vividly. we, Me and my boyfriend went to get my name, Matt, and we were walking out of the tunnel in Carson, out of the Home Depot Center, and we were... I remember exactly where we were. We were in that ramp um, out of the tunnel, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, um, yeah. that goes into the athlete area. And I said to him, no way am I gonna train another year in things that I suck at to get beat down like this. I don't like CrossFit that much. And he told me, Michelle, you're still in it, that, like you're emotional, um, give it some time. And I said, I'm not gonna do it again and then about a month later i realized what he meant and i was like you know what i'm gonna do another year but this year is going to be for me i'm gonna do everything that i can to enjoy what it means to be a crossfit games athlete and that's why i did another year um everything i did that year was to make sure that i would enjoy it and it was a hard year it was very hard and i think that's where um having a more flexible mindset, like really helps you because that year I had a back injury. I had a, like a bulging disc. I had all kinds of injury. You name it. I had it like I had a knee injury. I had a foot injury, a back injury, a shoulder injury, everything. Um, and then I worked through it and I trusted what I had done in the past. And in 2016, I went in it with the hopes of breaking the top 10. Um, but then when they announced Murph again, um, the other day I was doing a live with Pat and we were actually just talking about this, but when they announced Murph, my initial reaction to it was fuck this shit. I'm done. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do this. Like, I can't believe this. Like this is why I wanted to quit. This is the reason I wanted to quit. And it was such a mental effort for me to continue and to, to do Murph. It was just like, like, it was like, and, and, I don't know. It was like a dagger in the heart because I was like, I'm not gonna enjoy this year. And then I took I took a conscious decision that I was gonna dive that event because I was like, I'm not gonna let this event fuck up my last year. Um. So I did the last year and I dove Murph. I I said to Fred, uh, my boyfriend, I was like, I'm just I'm just gonna do this workout. I'm gonna finish it, but I don't I I'm not gonna go hard on it. I'm not gonna do anything. Don't don't like cheer. Don't. Like don't don't even watch this event. This event is gonna be just for me to make sure that I can continue with the rest of the weekend and enjoy it. And it's not the right attitude to win. It's not the right attitude to crack the top ten. And I knew it. But I enjoyed the rest of the weekend and I had no pressure on my shoulders. And I remember the weekend and and it was that that year was for me. So it was a tough year, full of injuries. And then it was a slap in the face when they announced Murph, but but all in all, it was probably my most memorable CrossFit Games year that I've ever had. Um and yeah, so I decided to do it again. And and I'm I i do not regret it because we got to go to Aromas. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to do that run that that was so epic. Like, like we got to do that. We got to I maxed out my deadlift. I PR 30 pounds. Like there's a lot of good things that came out of 2016 and I'm really happy I did it.
0: So then along the lines of why come back for another year, why then did you know that 2016 was I'm done?
1: Oh, I was getting old and <laughs> I was kind of, I was getting old in the sense that I felt like as I was aging with the, with my track record of injury before I got into a very serious injury, I just, I didn't want to have to go through that again. Um, I, I didn't have the same desire to go to the gym anymore. I wanted to move on. I wanted to work. I want I, I just wanted different challenges in my life. I felt like what I was doing was too repetitive, and I don't want to take away from—I don't want to take away from athletes who are dedicating their time for this. But I just felt like I was over it, and it was time to move on. And I'm glad I did because um, it it, just—if like I I, wasn't—I—I wasn't make like it was a financial decision too. I was like I'm starting to make money, but like my health isn't worth the money I'm making, so I just wanted to move on.
0: When did you first start thinking about becoming a coach?
1: Uh two thousand sixteen. Actually, it was when I did the Invitational mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Madrid. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, man, I really like this. And then, and uh, I knew that I wanted to stay in the competition world because I do love competing. So it was something in the back of my mind that I wanted to do, and um, there was a lot of things that I had done in my career in in programming-wise, that I really liked. Like, one of the things that I loved the most about being competitive CrossFit was exposing myself to different um, sports within CrossFit. So I went to see a track athlete. I went to see, like, I spoke to Chris Hinshaw, like a lot of people, and there's a lot of things I exposed myself to in terms of training regimens. And I just, I just loved a lot about that. There was a lot of technical things that I really loved about that and i love to learn so if there's one thing i really miss about being a crossfit games athlete is practice like going to see specialty coaches and working on skills with someone looking at me and coaching me i miss that i don't miss the i don't miss the working out i don't miss the maintaining i don't miss the 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 anything other than going to see my track athlete and learning and working on agility I miss going to see my Olympic weightlifting coach and working on the snatch in a very specific way. So those are things that I really enjoyed and that I wanted to put together in one cohesive program because if there's one thing that I was really good at is technical stuff. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that needed to be th- – that's what in, – in everything that I had, I had seen as an athlete, I'm like, there needs to be someone that includes practice in programming. There needs to be someone that includes um, high technical – work in, in training. It can't just be training. It needs to be technical also. So I felt like I had a an opening to kind of become a coach for in, in that way.
0: How did you then become Pat Vellner's coach?
1: So Pat and I actually trained together for my last year. Pat is the one witness of that moment when we were announced Merck and we had to do it. And he saw how pissed and 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 like utterly discouraged I was um, but in 2016 Pat had he was studying in Montreal at McGill and then he decided to go into chiropractic school in Toronto um so in between the end of his schooling and the beginning of his school in Toronto he he just dis- he wanted to, he needed a place to stay so I basically Fred and I said come live with us we'll train together for the 2016 games because he had qualified as an individual. So we trained together that year and then we went off to compete. And then after that, at the, at the invitational, um, in Toronto, I kind of just told them, I'm like, I'm going to start this, this programming and coaching business. If you want to coach, if if you want to work with me, I'd be happy to take you on. And, uh, he just kind of said, okay, let's do it. And and so we started working together. And it's a good relationship because Pat and I talk, like we talk real talk, you know, like he knows what I've been through. I know what he's going through. Um, he's on the older side. Like I understand what that feels like when, when we're, when we're talking about competing and, and training and stuff like that. So, um, and he's not afraid to, to tell me what he thinks. And so we kind of, it just, our relationship really evolved to something that is really a, a truly a partnership. So that's how we started working together now. Um, back then we just kind of like, I finished my career as an athlete with him. He started his with me. So we just kind of mm-hmm. move forward with that.
0: He told me recently that he probably drives you crazy on a consistent basis. <laughs> so how do you deal with his, I guess for lack of a better term antics? <laughs>
1: um, I think Pat, um, we we really got to know each other recently at Whatapalooza, for real. Like, like, um, there's a lot of things that Pat does that, that uh, do, does drive me crazy, <laughs> but there's a lot, you know what's amazing is that there's a lot of things that he does that drive me crazy that I see myself. Like the way he reacts to things, I see myself. And my challenge is how do I get him to learn the lessons that I was too stubborn to learn? Cause I was really stubborn too, so I think that um, I think that that um, we complement each other a lot in that way. Like, and and we are we are very different in a lot of ways. Like, he is very pragmatic, very very systematic about everything. Like, everything needs to be A B C D, and I'm a little bit more of an artist. Like, like whatever you do there's a stimulus like these are the intentions but if you don't hit that it's not the end of the world like there are a lot of other things there's a lot of other things that that we can work on um, that will get us to where we want to go that's the beauty about crossfit um so when you when you work in crossfit there's the because it's gpp it's not you don't have to be so specific so i think that that i bring to the table a different point of view for him um but he does like because he he asks me like 10 questions every training day <laughs> and i always tell myself god i must not be very clear <laughs> but then there are other days i'm like jesus christ we've been working together for like three years come on like <laughs> you should know right <laughs> but yeah like um otherwise he what i appreciate a lot about pat is that he is very good with communication whereas other athletes are not so I mean, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of good things. And he, he says that I, I'm driven crazy, but really I'm not like, I appreciate working with Pat. I really do.
0: How have the athletes that you have under your guidance helped make you a better coach?
1: Um, a, a lot of things, uh, there's a lot of things that I've learned, um, throughout the last uh, couple of years. And, um, you, there. Are, every, athletes are, are, you get people that are in the best of their, um, they're at their best and we we deal with people that are at their worst. And um, I think there's a couple of things. Like I learned to be the coach that I am based on the coaches that I had. You know, I was like, oh, I really like this. I really like this, you know. Um, what I've come to understand is that a lot of the time it's hard to answer it's hard to answer that. Like like with Pat I've I've come to learn that clarity is very important and having a and and having a plan is very important. Discussing that plan is very important. Like like Pat needs some kind of assurance that he's going somewhere. There are a lot of other athletes that just want programming And like you just let them be, and I was kind of like that at one point, like especially at the end of my career, like I just wanted programming, and I I wanted to be on my own. And so um, it's very important to adapt to the to the um, to the person that you're working with. What I've learned though is that, and this is an unfortunate lesson, but I think it's a very good life lesson for me, is that when you when you give a lot of yourself to someone, um, you there's a lot of things that you won't get back. You know, like you invest so much in, uh, in athletes on an emotional level. And when those relationships kind of fall through, it hurts. So that's something that I've learned a lot. That's kind of unfortunate that like, I can't give too much of myself to my athletes because I can get hurt in the long run. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a hard lesson. That's not a fun lesson to learn, but it's important. Like um, the last few, few years, I've kind of learned that like you can invest yourself emotionally, but you, but you never, you can never, Give one hundred percent of yourself um, in in that kind of circumstance because it is um, because it is like it is a person it is a professional relationship when it comes down to it and you can never forget that.
0: Yeah, why do you think that there aren't more female CrossFit coaches out there who deal with high level athletes?
1: Um, time. Uh, emotional investment, um, risk. Um, there's also a huge sense of um, responsibility that is very hard to deal with. And um, I can't speak for other women, but me as a woman, um, I felt I felt like um, I was constantly battling my like in my own personal emotional um, reaction to certain situations and maybe like i don't know how to exp- how to put this into words but it was constantly like am i doing the right thing and then, there's there's a certain level of maybe insecurity that comes with maybe the fact that are like me emotionally i'm i, I make decisions um and and it was very true at the at the beginning of, of my career as a coach, and it's less and less true because I've learned that it is a professional relationship, and I can't invest myself too emotionally with the athletes that I work with. And I think maybe guys are better at doing that from the beginning. Um. Uh, but I, it's hard. It's hard to really pinpoint. I, I, I do feel like there's a lot of things that that work to my advantage as a woman. Um, only only when it comes to having Uh, more uh, experience with strategies like there, are like we have different weaknesses than men Um, and there are there are certain strategies that could be very helpful in certain circumstances for men and whatever so there's a lot of things that work for us but I think emotionally it's very difficult for women in this line of work because we get very involved with the people that we work with and there's a lot of stress that comes with that involvement and Um, yeah. So it's, I think that could be one of the reasons, but it's hard to tell. Maybe it's interest, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's just a question of interest and uh, like, like it's, it's just, it's hard to be a coach. It's, it's very hard. It's very hard.
0: Last question. What's been more rewarding for you in your career, competing or coaching and why?
1: Um, It depends what you define as career. I would say in my life, Coaching has been more rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more, there's a, there's a way better point of view when you're a coach than when you're an athlete, when you're an athlete, everything is, you're on, you're, you're in it, everything is so big and it's very hard to see things on a very, in a very, um, broad perspective. And I think as a coach, you understand a little bit more. What a plan is, and and you understand steps a little bit better, you understand the process a little bit better, you're a little bit more patient with things when you're in it and you're tired and you're emotionally invested in things and you're physically invested in things and you're constantly going through injury and like and and it's physical reminders of what a process is. It's very hard to see things in in perspective. So I think coaching has more has has brought me a lot more. Um, meaningful lessons than being an athlete, um, but being an athlete is is it, it's just like there's not much that replaces the, the the feeling of of finishing an event and being proud of yourself. Like there's not very much that compares to that kind of. And keep in mind, I haven't, I'm not a parent yet, <laughs> so I'm I'm sure that just takes everything out of the equation. And there's like there's this like level of pride when you're a parent, but. As an athlete there's this sense of pride of what you accomplish that is hard to kind of it's it's amazing to say that I was in Carson and I was at the Home Depot Center in the Tennis Stadium and I got to clean and jerk in front of that many people on a Friday night and I got to win a workout in there and there's a, there's a lot of things that being a CrossFit games athlete has has brought to me that 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 nothing else has and that not a lot of people have had the opportunity to feel so you know, there are beautiful things that happen. I can't can't say that I don't appreciate both, both things.
0: Well, Michelle, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, Miss watching you out there on the competition floor, but it's good to know that you're still involved (laughs) and and best of luck with everything moving forward.
1: Thank you, Sean. I really appreciate the
0: talk. Big thanks to Michelle Latonda for taking the time to speak with me today. If you want to follow her on social media, she is on Instagram. She is at Mish, M-I-C-H underscore LaTondra. Make sure to subscribe and join me every Wednesday for inspiring stories from the fitness community and interviews with your favorite athletes and coaches. If you Miss an episode? Well, you can find them all in our archives at TwoBrainBusiness.com. Thanks for listening to Two Brain Radio. I'm Sean Woodland, and we'll see you next time.